Recording. I'm good. Hello there. I'm History of the Flash, but you could call me JD. And Comic Book Hunter's not here. Where is Comic Book Hunter? Well, he's in the mountains of Canada. He is on vacation for New Year's. So I am manning the podcast. Uh, but I will not be manning the podcast alone because I am joined by, uh, you might know him from Instagram, at Comic Prince. Uh, he goes by Jay. You might remember him from episode three. He's also on YouTube at Heroic Ideas. Check that out. It's a really good channel, up and coming. He makes some great videos. Jay, welcome. Hey, what's up, guys? And uh, we're going to do the same usual episode, uh, go over the comics of the week, the news of the week, all that good stuff. We had some good comics this week and the biggie and Heroes in Crisis number four, which we have quite a few opinions on, and I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, as usual, we'll start with the news. So um, our first bit of live action news is uh, Batwoman for the CW got picked up as a pilot. It will be filming, I believe in February, it said. Uh, But yeah, so she's going to be getting her own show, at least for one season. Uh, I'm not the biggest Batwoman fan in the comics, so I'm not sure that I'll be watching this show. I think I'll watch the pilot, you know, just to give it a chance, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know, like, I'll probably, I might watch the pilot. You saying you'll watch the pilot made me change my mind a little bit. I'll watch the pilot, (laughs) but I don't know if I have a lot of, you know, hope for the show. Like, I'm not expecting much out of it. Yeah, yeah, I just, I don't know, I don't think it's going to be overly great, and like I said, I'm just, I'm really not that into the character, just even in comics, I don't, I don't care for the character, so, I doubt I'll be watching it, but I mean, I don't know, she was, I heard she was, I still even haven't even watched the Elseworlds crossover somehow, but I've heard she was good in it, for what she appeared in, I know she wasn't in it much. Oh, was she really not? They yeah, I think, I think she kind of played like a minor role, it's kind of like, I guess to tease, like, if she'd be, uh... And, like, you know, if people would like her character. Yeah. But, yeah, so she's getting her own show, which I guess maybe that means they could have Batman eventually. I mean, I know Fox owns the Batman rights, which is tricky. <coughs> with, like, Gotham and stuff like that. And I guess now that Disney owns Fox, Disney owns Batman? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting because I never thought Superman would appear. And Superman appeared on Supergirl, so... I guess there's a chance. I hope we don't see Batman, but I guess. But yeah, so um, Batwoman is getting a pilot, so good for her. Um, Next on the news, we have... Wow, I just had the news written down. Oh, um, wow, I'm blanking very badly. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah, the Hush animated movie, Batman animated movie. Uh, Hush is the animated movie that's coming in 2019 based on the... Jim Lee storyline, uh, Batman Hush, from I think like 2002 or so, um, is getting turned into an animated movie, which is dope because I actually really like Hush. It's not my favorite Batman story, but I'd say it's top five for me. Um, so it, it's like a you know a big Batman villain story. There's a lot of villains that appear in it. Uh, one of which that's very important is Catwoman, of course. Uh, Catwoman will, according to rumors, will not be appearing in the animated movie, which I thought was odd because I mean. She's a big part of the story, and that Harley Quinn will be playing a large role in the animated movie, which has me questioning a little bit, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just a rumor, so I'm not Yeah, gonna... take it with a grain of salt. I mean, people posted it to Twitter hoping it would get debunked. Yeah. I hope they don't put Harley Quinn in it, like, like that, I mean, give her a big role because there's no point. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I get that Harley's popular, but like, I feel like Batman's popular enough to market his own animated movie, and and I think a lot of people love the Batcat relationship. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you could have her be a big part of the movie but as long as she doesn't like replace anyone's role or take away anyone's screen time you know yeah like you wouldn't want her doing the iconic kiss with batman like that would just be weird so that would be weird so hopefully this is just a rumor and i mean i think catwoman will appear if they really want to adapt hush and since jim lee is you know like pretty much what he's the president of dc now i think that he has the majority of say on stuff so if if he wants her in the animated movie i think he can make that happen so i think he's just publisher though i don't think they Publish, the publisher doesn't really have much to do with the, the like they're publishers of DC Comics, but I don't know if they do much in DC Entertainment, like in general. Oh, well, yeah. that's unfortunate. Well, uh, we'll just keep our fingers crossed. And again, it's just a rumor; it's nothing official. So, hopefully, you know, it's just that. Um, and then to the comic news, um, Jay was telling me actually that uh, something about Thor having a daughter, right? No, a sister, a little sister, sister, sister sorry. Sister. Yeah, it's going to tie into the War of Realms story, which is, I mean, I, I it's only one tie-in, which is cool. Um, It has me intrigued. It has Miles Morales holding this little baby on the cover with uh, a whole bunch of other people chasing after him. And uh, that's all Marvel's really said. They dropped the bomb of Thor having a baby sister, and that's it. Okay, should be interesting, I guess. I mean, I'm not really big into the Thor mythos, and I don't, I don't even think, I can't even think of the last time I read a Thor comic. Uh, I think the last time I read a Thor comic, Jane was Thor, so uh, it's been a while. But um, I don't know, it could be interesting. I mean, the whole sibling stuff has done Thor pretty well over the years with the, you know, Loki stuff. But yeah, and they had Angela too. I mean, it's a lot of siblings now. There's Balder, yeah. there's Loki, there's Angela. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, so that's how... cool like that, like about the family tie-ins and stuff, so. Yeah. But, yeah, so um, that's about it for the news. If I'm missing any, I'm sorry. Uh, we checked the news around before we started recording, and there wasn't really much going on. It's New Year's, so I guess there's not much going on. Uh, so we'll move on to the comics. Uh, so as I said, the big comic of the week is Heroes in Crisis number four, which uh, Tom King is it's a nine-issue series uh, dealing with superhero PTSD and a murder mystery. Um Pretty much everybody in the sanctuary has been murdered except for Booster Gold and Harley Quinn. They're both blaming each other for doing it. It's really confusing, I think is to say it, to put it best. <laughs> um, we're four issues in, and I feel like we still really don't know what's going on. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking these last five issues will start giving us clues of what's happening, but I'm not really sure. Uh, but before Jay and I give our thoughts, Hunter actually sent me a video that he asked me to play on the podcast. So without further ado, Comfort Hunter making a special appearance. <laughs> in the mountains in Canada, so I wasn't able to record this week. However, I did get my comics. My comic of the week is Detective Comics. I give that like an 8.5, maybe 9 out of 10. But I'm here to talk about uh, Heroes in Crisis really quick. Uh, I thought it was good, bad. Like, I like the art a lot. I like the conversations between Superman and Lois Lane and the Trinity talking in the Batcave. I like the humor in that. I love uh, seeing Ted Core Blue Beetle suited up again and beautiful Clayman art. My problem was Batgirl and Harley Quinn. Now, my problem with that is the dialogue where Batgirl explains how she figured after she was paralyzed, she thought Batman thought of her as but broken and unstable. That's not true. Batgirl had so much encouragement to her to become Oracle and how proud he was and how she was so good in the wheelchair just as Oracle. 
So I didn't like that. All in all, I gave Heroes in Crisis issue four, like, I don't know, like a seven or something. Ah, bye. <laughs> Thank you, Hunter. Uh, <laughs> so Hunter went over a lot there. Um, I'll start with the basic. The art is beautiful. Clay Man drew, I think, this entire issue. Uh, and he just, he does such great work. I love his work. He's, the, the detail he does with some of the suits and just the way he makes everyone look, just, just great. And I think Clay and Tom, uh, Clay Man and Tom King have such a great relationship, and I think that shows on the pages, you know? Yeah, I I love the relationship, actually. Like, seeing them on Twitter and stuff, messing around. They're, yeah, they're like best buddies. Um, but, yeah, so this issue kind of starts out um, all over the place. So last issue, we dealt with, like, a lot of the uh, deaths and – or kind of, like, the emotional impact of everyone. So we saw – Booster Gold, Wally West, and Lagoon Boy kind of dealing with their uh, emotional parts, you know, how they were treating the sanctuary and how they were getting help in a way and their different methods of getting help. So then this issue, I was expecting like, all right, maybe we'll get more of those character moments, but we didn't really get that. Uh, we got a few more interviews where we see Donna Troy, actually, which I was not expecting, giving like a sanctuary interview. And we see uh, Aqualad is like, drinking and he wants to like basically forget or not aqua tempest rather uh he's drinking and he wants to forget so more titans involved interesting and donna troy i mean she kind of gives an interesting interview i mean she talks a lot about like uh history and archaeology and a place named troy that doesn't exist and i, I was kind of confused what was going on here to be honest yeah i think he's trying to like just that's kind of like the trauma like uh, Donna's kind of like struggling if she's real or not because we know she's made of clay. She has these implanted memories. And I think she mentioned Troy because she kind of relates to that. And I got what he was trying to do there, but it just, I don't think it really hit right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It was just a bit odd. But then anyway, we get right to uh, Flash and Batman who are walking up to the house and through the field and they both agree that they know who did it. And then at the same time, Flash says Booster and Batman says Harley. So they look at each other and then Barry curses and he is frustrated because they really don't know who did it. After that, Booster Gold has the lasso of truth around his hands and he swears to Wonder Woman that he didn't do it. That he saw Wally, uh, that he saw Harley hit Wally with the hammer and that she was smiling. And, and Booster Gold is just like very sure that he didn't do it. But then Wonder Woman kind of even has doubts like... Are you sure you didn't do it? Or are you just sure that you don't know you didn't do it? So Booster Gold is, I guess, doubting himself in a way because he, he just really doesn't know. But he feels like he should know, right? And he, he just thinks Harley's guilty. And he doesn't, you know, he doesn't want to be guilty. I mean, he doesn't want to think that he killed all these heroes. Um, we go to Lois Lane and Clark Kent in their apartment, I guess. So I, I guess this doesn't tie into Bendis' action comics because, like, in Bendis' Action Comics, Lois and Clark are split up. Unless this is in Lois's like side apartment. But anyway, yeah, she's um, still working at the Daily Planet too. Like in the previous issue, I wonder if this is before or maybe after. Yeah, the timeline's always tricky with DC with multiple stories. But I, I thought uh, Lois looked great here, and I even posted on my Instagram like, "Ah, Lois Lane's my comic book crush." Uh, they had her wearing a Superman T-shirt. I don't know. Clayman just draws a great Lois Lane. Um, Lois. 
like she's been receiving the tapes of the interviews from the sanctuary and she doesn't know what to do with them. I mean, she's a journalist. She has to put it out. The people need to know. And Clark's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, then we see an interview from Barbara Gordon, Batgirl. And all she does is show where the bullet went through her hip and went out her back. And then we see her with Harley Quinn. Basically, she t- kind of tackles Harley Quinn, but then they end up hugging and she kind of understands Harley and, I don't know. It, it was kind of weird for me to see Babs and Harley having a relationship. She ends it with like, hey, Harley, how you doing? So she's being nice to Harley, which is – I think it's interesting and I think it reflects Barbara's character very well because she does. She's a uh, you know a compassionate character. Just somebody like Harley is kind of weird. Yeah, I mean I got what he was trying – Tom King was trying to do there. Like he was trying to kind of like have these two people that have been both hurt by the Joker connect. Yeah, which is interesting. It is. It's just, I don't know. It's like another, I feel like it was kind of unnecessary at this point in the story. Because we still, I want to see more. He's kind of like juggling all these different characters. And I'd rather see more focus on the mystery right now. And how Booster and Harley are dealing with these deaths and how they see themselves. You know? Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. It would be nice if we got to focus more on Booster and Harley. I mean, if they're going to be the two people who are being blamed for this and we're trying to figure out which one of them did it, it would be nice to see some character moments between them that could really help us decide, damn, which one of them did it. Um, We get to see Black Canary give her an interview where she sits down, says, ah, bleep this, and then walks away. So I love that. I love that. I I thought it was like... That's Black Canary's character. I thought that was very well done. Yeah, that was perfect. So she is not happy with that. And then uh, we're back in the Hall of Justice with Booster Gold. And we see Ted Cord back in the suit. Blue Beetle. Blue, oh, yeah. blue, blue and gold, which is awesome. It's awesome to see them reunited. And I thought Tom King actually wrote them pretty well because they have great character moments. And you, you can just tell they're buddies. Uh, blue Beetle. I love that. Like, Blue Beetle Blue Beetle breaks Booster Gold out and they say Bros before heroes, which I love. That that's so them. Yeah, exactly. I they they are like their friends before they're superheroes. And I love that cuz characters like Superman, Batman, they're friends cuz they're superheroes. But yeah. Booster and like Blue Beetle, they're like it's more than they can hang out outside the suit and have a good time. I love that. Yeah, and, and then they show Blue Beetle's interview with the, uh, like, Sanctuary, and I thought his interview really reflected their relationship good, too. He's like, you know, uh, that that uh, Booster's a guy that will pick up the phone anytime you need him. Anytime when it's really hard, he'll still pick up. So it just really shows that they're buddies before all else, yeah. which is nice. Um, kinda, after, oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. They kind of ignore, like, in Rebirth, like, Ted quit being Blue Beetle because of a heart a heart problem. Yeah, it was some heart. He had a heart attack or something. So he yeah. quit being Blue Beetle. So they kind of just put him back in the suit. I hope they explain that. Yeah, but, it would be nice to get a little explanation. Maybe he decided uh, one last ride for his buddy Booster. His buddy Booster's in trouble, so he's throwing the suit. But uh, anyway, we we go to the Bat Cave where uh, it's the Trinity, and Wonder Woman's kind of frustrated. She knocks over the giant penny, and the giant penny falls to its doom. Rest in peace, giant penny. You've been around forever. <laughs> um. Superman basically reveals that Lois has been getting the tapes. Uh, Batman is pissed at this, and he's like, uh, "They make a joke about the dinosaur that um, since Wonder Woman knocked over the penny, that he should hide the dinosaur." And then Batman makes jokes that he's gonna hit the dinosaur, but he's so mad. And then uh, Lo- he t- Clark tells Bruce that she already released the newspaper, like the article with the sanctuary stuff. 
And then they give like a little blurb of it, but not much. And uh, that's mostly where the issue ends. But then you see Harley and Batgirl and they call themselves the Dynamaker duo. And Batgirl's kind of just like, hmm. And they want to figure out what's going on in the, sexu- in the sanctuary. Or Batgirl does at least. But, you know, Harley's kind of just like F the world. It needs changing. So that's where the issue ends. Um, th- this is just kind of hard to decipher because... I want to like it. I really do. And this issue, like I said um, in the past and I've said on Instagram, issues one and two, I thought were very bad. Three and four, I thought were very good. So it's getting better. But at the same time, we're not developing much of a story. Yeah, like there's a lot to juggle here. And you could tell he's like trying to fit everything in. But just I want him to just focus on a core cast. Like he has... Batman and the Flash together. He has Donna and Garth. He has all these different characters. It's just, it's really bringing the story down for me because yeah. it's not as, um, what's the word? It's not as much of a deconstruction as I hoped it would be. It's just yeah. everyone's reactions. Yeah. And, and you only have nine issues to tell the story. I mean, at, at the fourth issue, we're just about halfway through at this point. So I, I just feel like, at a halfway point, we're not really getting anywhere, anywhere where I'd hope we'd be getting. Now, I don't doubt that King could turn it around within the last few issues and, you know, write a masterpiece, but right now, I'm not really sure where this is going. And and just like the whole killer, like, is it going to be Harley? Is it going to be Booster? Or is it going to be some kind of computer system? I mean, something was powerful enough to take down the fastest man alive. Something was powerful enough to take down one of the most skilled archers alive. You know, all those guys, Lagoon Boy, who had powers, like... If you were able to take out all these superheroes, it, it, it's somebody big, right? So it, it can't be Harley or even even Booster. I mean, he's powerful, but like, is he that powerful? It's definitely just... something that knew all their weaknesses. Like, I still think it was probably the Sanctuary. I know, like, we still have like there was like that preview or whatever of the Sanctuary dead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I still feel like it could be that. I don't know. I just feel like this this story is trying to do too much. And yeah. it's going to end up being a problem when we're on the seventh issue and we still don't know what's going on, you know? And like I said, I don't doubt Tom King. He's a very skilled writer. Even though I don't enjoy his Batman run, I know he's written some great stuff in the past. And I don't doubt he could tell a great story about PTSD. I mean, as somebody who served himself, you know, he, he knows about that kind of stuff. He's dealt with people who've dealt with that stuff. So I, I really don't doubt him. But, like, the story's worrying me. That, that's all I can say about that, you know? Yeah, I got you. But, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that the next issue is going to be better. I really enjoyed the last two issues. And I was down on this story just because my favorite character died. But at the same time, I'm taking a step back. Like, all right, you know what? My favorite character died, but it's still a story. Let me, you know, judge it as a story, not judge it as my favorite character died. So once I did that, you know, got off my high horse, if you will, I, uh, I've started to appreciate the story more. That's if that good. makes sense. Yeah, 100% makes sense. That's how I feel with a, a lot of, like, the Dick, the Rick Grayson thing. I'm not a like. I'm not really reading the story, and that's just mm-hmm. because I'm not interested in it. But I don't yeah. think it's bad for it. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I mean, a lot of things, and this happens with a lot of comic fans when the status quo is changed. People are like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" But like, the best things that come in comics are through change. I mean, you know, if the internet was around in 1986, would they have revolted to Barry Allen dying in Crisis on Infinite Earths? You know, or Jason Todd dying? They got so many bad letters for Barry dying. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so it's just like, you know, we live in the age of where everyone can have an opinion on Twitter or Instagram or any of those social medias. So 
you know, if we kind of just take a step back and let the story develop, I mean, Heroes of Crisis is nine issues, right? So it's still got a while to develop. Now, I hope it develops into something good, because if it doesn't, I'm going to be frustrated, but... Yeah. And I, and I think this is a tough story just to read issue by issue, because, like, after every issue, I'm like, all right, what happens next? Like, you know, I need to know what happens next. I guess I'm kind of impatient, especially with, like, a monthly series like this. Like, I just feel like it's taking forever, you know? Yeah, I get you, man. But yeah, so... um. As for rating, I think I'm going to go like 7.5 out of 10. I thought this was a pretty good issue, but I want a little more direction as to where we're going. Uh, The art is great as usual, and I love Clay Man. And I really hope like even after Heroes in Crisis, he is working on a regular DC book because his art is just too good to be like, you know, just every once in a while. So, yeah, I I would give this I would give it a 7 out of 10. I don't think it was great, but it wasn't bad. Uh, interesting character moments and it would be better if they could focus on more individual stuff but i'll take what i can get yeah all right so uh we'll move on to our next comic of the week action comics number 1006 action comics is written by brian michael bendis who uh i was doubting from the beginning my friend jay here was never doubting he uh (laughs) he's a bendis fan and he told me how great bendis could be from bendis daredevil from bendis ultimate he, he knew the how good Bendis can be. You know, I was judging a lot off Civil War 2, so I apologize, Mr. Bendis. Uh, Action Comics has been amazing since he's taken over. I have loved it. It's very street level, and you never expect a Superman book to be so street level. Uh, before we started recording, I was talking to Jay about this. It feels like Superman the Animated Series, but with more adult themes, which yeah. is awesome. <laughs> it reminds me personally of the radio show. And if anyone's like listened to the 50s one with like, the KKK in it and stuff and like Superman and this huge supporting cast and so much of Clark Kent doing investigative journalism. That's exactly what the comic feels like. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's nice to see Clark as a journalist because I mean, yeah, we all know he works at the daily planet, but we almost never see it. It seems like, you know, yeah, he's always we, so busy supermaning. Yeah. It always leans on Lois being the one who does that, which is great. It's awesome. But I also want to see Clark kind of do his own thing too. Like, yeah known for something show us what he's known for yeah exactly so um the beginning of every issue starts with i think it's some it's always somebody's computer and it starts with like little sticky notes which are usually just easter eggs or like uh little references bendis wants to throw at us one of the ones said young justice is back why which i thought was cool uh greg greg rucka writing unauthorized lois lane book i thought was interesting funny i'm so excited for i hope it happens they've been hinting at it forever it's gotta happen honestly i'd read a lois lane like four issue six issue miniseries i think that could be interesting she's an interesting character i mean out of all the love interests in comics she's like one of the what longest around i mean she's been around since like the 40s so yeah i don't know it'd be cool to see that and she's such an interesting character um so in action comics we start with clark doing some journalism he's questioning the mayor on why he thinks you know that the when the superheroes get involved that it messes things up and the mayor's kind of avoiding him and then he he like goes at Clark like that he gained weight and that Lois left him or she's you know with a love triangle but Superman could use his hearing of course so he could hear him in the car and he's all nervous which is interesting because it's you know he's Clark Kent the journalist but he could also use Superman's powers to his abilities. Uh, Superman takes off into 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 his suit and a kid sees him in a Green Lantern shirt and just the panel Ryan Sook did the art for this issue beautiful so good. Oh my god, it's some of the best like art we've seen in a superman book in forever uh, agreed um so the red cloud has been like the big story of superman and it's kind of interesting i mean the red cloud was revealed last issue to be i always forget her name i can never remember her name the new worker of the daily planet 
Um, Jesus, I can never think of her name. It's anyway. something good. It's something like it's yeah, her last, last name is good. good. Yeah. yeah. So um, Clark walks his way into the Daily Planet, and he's using his X-ray vision, which we've always, you know, we know he has X-ray vision, but to see it drawn out like this was really cool because he looks like through the floors and through the walls. And I thought the way Suk did this was great. And big credits to the colorist for making it kind of like a light blue aura because I think that's really cool. Oh yeah, the colors in this book was awesome. Like they did, like even like how Red Cloud looks in the story. It's just they they killed it. Yeah, awesome. yeah. So the uh, Red Cloud attacks the Fire Chief, and <laughs> Superman comes and protects her. He blows like his freeze breath, which it still keeps attacking back. Um, they they do a good visual representation of Superman like flying around and keep throwing the freeze breath at the uh, at the Red Cloud, which was interesting um and the red cloud is like i said it's an okay villain i mean i'm not like overly interested but it's cool the red cloud kind of the 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 red cloud kind of like disperses and then um he talks to the fire chief miss moore and she's like kind of freaked out about what happened and then clark's like he kind of makes jokes he's like yeah well she tried to choke me too (laughs) i didn't appreciate it which was funny bendis has been writing like kind of like a a comical Clark Kent, which I think is an interesting take. Yeah, like he's his Clark is still like his. I find his Superman very human, like a lot more human than like a lot of writers write him. Like he's still that paragon of goodness, but he has very human moments, like when he was like in Superman, where he considered killing uh, what's his name, Rogarzal. Yeah, Rogarzal. And in this book, it's just he's still like helping people, but he has his moments too. Like he he. He was getting impatient with Red Cloud as she was attacking him. He was like, many people have stood where you where you have stood. And uh, there's many other guys out there who will take you on don't have my patience. Yeah. It was like. Yeah, it's very, it's very Superman-y. I mean, yeah. ben, Bendis has been writing Superman. And I'll, I'll give credit because a lot of people like talk about um, Bendis' floof dialogue, that like he writes too much dialogue or that his dialogue sounds weird. But I thought his dialogue has all sounded very normal, especially when you read it out loud. Oh, yeah, like, that's his thing. Like, his whole entire thing is, like, he tries to write normal conversations, and it can come off as quirky when, like, when he overdoes, like, the back and forth. But I've always thought he has pretty solid dialogue. I mean, yeah, that conversation with the mayor at the beginning I thought was really well done. Yeah, it it felt like it was, like, ripped out of, like, a a crime TV show almost. Yeah. Like, a corrupt mayor and... I, I think action comics, like like I said, it's like Superman the Animated Series. It, it is like a lot like a TV show. Like you could picture this as a TV show. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so anyway, the Red Cloud uh, meets up with a mystery woman in the end, uh, in the end of the issue. And she says that she fought Superman twice and she didn't lose, but she didn't win also. So it's, it's interesting to kind of view it like that because, yeah, she didn't lose, but she didn't win. So it's kind of a stalemate. Um, I'm not really sure who this was that she met up with at the end, but... Her name uh, was Leon. Yeah, Leon. She's, she's basically like recruiting people for headhunting, which I was like, okay. Yeah, she's like the leader of that whole secret organization. Like they're kind of like the, I guess the the Costa Nostra of Metropolis, which is yeah. cool. And they kind of showed like like um, the ending. It showed like the car, which was cool. From, like from Action original. Comics one. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was really cool. Yeah, and she reveals that she bought the Daily Planet, to which uh, the Red Cloud asks, can she have Lois Lane's office? And she goes, yeah, sure. So <laughs> that was that was an interesting ending. Um, Action Comics is 
I don't know. It's my pick of the week. It, it's definitely up there. I really enjoyed this issue, and and it's an issue where not even much happened, but it was still interesting. It's definitely my pick of the week. I thought it was just great, and um, I fr- I don't think you mentioned it. The Jimmy Olsen part, I love that where he said he slept with Tally Al Ghul. Yeah, that was it. That threw me off when I read that. I was like, I had to reread that. I was like, wait, am I reading this right? <laughs> I wasn't surprised because Bendis has been like preparing for this Leviathan event forever. There's going to be this whole like Leviathan war. He's said it in so many interviews. He had like the actual like uh, pitch and one of, on the desk of one of the people. I forget who, but like mm-hmm. uh, it was there. So we know that's coming up. We know the prelude is going to start. He said Jimmy Olsen's going to have a huge part of it. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, I heard people on Twitter talking about like possibly like a Jimmy Mini. Oh, I love a Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy- I love Jimmy Olsen. Jimmy Olsen is like seriously underrated. Like nobody gives him credit. Like this dude held his own series for like decades. Superman's yeah. pal, Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> no one and Dark Side first appeared in that series. Yeah. Just want to yeah, point exactly. that out. Jimmy and Olsen no one really, is cool. Yeah, no one really gets it either. Everyone writes him as like even Jeff Johns, he writes him as some like meek, quiet kid inside that's like friends with Clark Kent. When in reality, like Grant Morrison wrote him best. He's this cool guy. Like he's Superman's pal, of course. Like he has yeah. a little bit of a swagger to him, you know? Yeah, and Grant's all-star Superman. Uh, uh, Jimmy plays, like, like his own report. He has, like, um, a big oh, following, yeah. which I thought was cool. Yeah. So, like, it's cool to see Bendis taking this direction with Jimmy Olsen, and I'm very excited to see where it goes. And even, like, I said I'd read a Lois mini. I'd probably read a Jimmy mini, too. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. Like, I, I think me- one of the best things about Superman is his uh, supporting cast. Exactly. I was about to say that. Like, I, I he, think a lot of people so underrated. Yeah, a lot of people forget that his, you know, supporting cast is so great. I mean, they've stood, they've stood the test of time, and they're still like interesting. So, you know, that shows something. Yeah, there's just a bunch of fun too when a creator really tries to do cool stuff with them. Like, yeah, awesome. Agreed. So, um, for Action Comics, I think I'm gonna give it like a nine. 9.5 out of 10. I really didn't really have many problems with this issue. I thought it was interesting. And like I said, not much happened, but it's still interesting. Yeah, I completely agree. 9.5, 9. And then the Ryan, the Ryan Sue guard is just so satisfying to the eyes. It would be nice if he was on action for a while. And I love Patrick Gleason on, on Superman as well. So, uh, like, really, whoever they have on art is going to be good. But, like, Sue just reminded me how much I love his art. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like, it sucks. He's leaving the book after this issue. Oh, man. Yeah, we're getting so. Steve Epting, which is, he's just as great. Yeah, no, uh, it's true, yeah. Bendis has been getting some of the most premier artists in D.C. between yeah. Ivan Lewis and Patrick Leeson, Jason Fabok. So he's he's just gotten a lot of cool artists. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm excited. And um, just quickly, uh, at the end of the issue, um, at the end of every D.C. issue this week, they had a rest in peace, Stanley, in memoriam of Stanley. Uh, it said, with the utmost respect and distinguished competition, Excelsior, in memoriam of Stanley. So oh, I thought yeah, that was that was awesome. I thought yeah, I thought that was really noble of DC. Kudos to them for doing that. And they really didn't have to, but they did. So it just shows that you know, no matter what competition they're in with Marvel, I mean, they're still you know have respect, and I like that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, our next comic of the week will be Detective Comics number nine ninety five. Uh, Pete Tomasi on Detective Comics, which. Uh, I don't know about you, Jay, but I'm a huge Pete Tomasi fan. I love like oh, I am too. <laughs> you know how I feel about Batman and Robin. Great, like yeah, he wrote yeah. The... New 52 Batman and Robin is amazing. It made Damien yeah. the great character he is today. Exactly. 100%. Before before that, I I won't lie. I really did not like Damien, but after reading that series, I, I grew a new appreciation for Damien. And 
between that and Super Sons, uh, Tomasi has done a lot of great work with Damien. Yeah. Uh, so he's on Detective Comics now, building up to issue number 1000, and I'm very excited. Uh, his first issue was okay. I mean, not, you know, a lot happened, but, like, it's kind of a starting issue, and that's <coughs> what it was, so... Uh, this issue on the cover, we see Alfred on the ground with blood, and it actually looks a lot like the Poison Ivy cover for Heroes in Crisis that was controversial with, like, the lightning bolt bloodline. Oh. Wait, coming what? out of his hand. R- remember that? The Poison Ivy cover that was, like, controversial? Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. So I thought that was actually kind of interesting, and Tomasi had tweeted something about that, but I forget what he had said. Uh, this issue, anyway, it, it picks up from where last issue ended, where uh, Dr. Leslie Tompkins is infected, or she's jokerized. Uh, Batman's basically rushing to get her back, and while he's rushing to get her back, like, she's kind of in control, but she's still, like, obviously laughing and got, like, the Joker face. Uh, but But she's, like, saying that she loves the man that Bruce has become, and that, like, she helped him when he was a child, and now he's helped so many people in Gotham. So I, I like that because you don't realize that Leslie Tompkins did help him as a child, you know, and we get like little flashbacks of it, which I thought were cool. Yeah. And she's like, she's a really big character. Like she's actually like underrated how big a character she is. Like I was talking to, you know, best Batman facts on Instagram and there's so many comics back in the day with Leslie Tompkins and how she affected Bruce's life. Yeah. And so like her, can we talk about what happened to her this issue? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Her? Like her death, this issue, it was really, I think it was a good setting off for her character. It's a bit surprising and random, but it was a great, it was great. Like when he was like, when she was like dying on the thing and saying, oh, Bruce, uh, I'm so proud of you. Then he gets the shock things and like tries to bring her back to life. And then he realizes he can't. And we're getting all these flashbacks of um, all the nice things she did for other people, for him. It was just, I thought it was a great send off. Yeah, like, Alfred might be the most important man, like, older man in his life, but Leslie is probably the most important older woman in his life. I mean, if Alfred is his father role, then Leslie could be, like, considered a mother-type role to him. Oh, definitely. So it it, it really threw me for a loop because I'm like, all right, of course she's going to survive. But then at the end, I was like, holy crap, she just died. Like, <laughs> I was really not expecting that. What do you think of um the what happened to Alfred? Like, who who attacked him? What's his name? It was he looked said he looked like Zorro. Zorro. I think it's interesting because if I'm not mistaken, the movie that the Waynes were watching when they died or after before yeah. they died was Zorro, and then yeah, Batman is very off. modeled after Zorro. So yeah. interesting. Um, and he gets Alfred, and Alfred's kind of bleeding and not feeling too well, and this prompts Batman to go to Arkham, which. Is interesting because Batman is going full sicko mode. I apologize for that. But he, he's going like full like dark night mode and he's, you know, walking down the hall. And then when all the lights go out and you just see like the red eyes, like, damn, I got like some chills. Yeah, I thought I thought the issue was good. Like it was cool. It just didn't feel long enough for me. It wasn't like, I don't know. Yeah, it felt like it kind of went quick. I mean, I guess it's because like it didn't all go quick. Splash page. There was a, yeah, lot, of a lot of splash pages. pages and a lot of like one word pages. But like. I don't know. I, I felt like emotional for Leslie, and I wasn't expecting to feel emotional for Leslie because I, like, I never thought of myself as so attached to her. But then, like, when you think about it, her character's been around for so long, and she's played such a role in Batman's life. Oh yeah, it was definitely a sad death. It was. It's not a bad issue. I just wasn't. I wanted more from it. I think. Yeah, and and I think Tomasi's kind of pacing himself to one thousand. Yeah. I think he's trying to stretch a story to rate to reach from nine ninety four to nine ninety nine, which I'm okay with. But you know, it, it's interesting. Yeah. What would you give the issue out of 10? 
Okay, I'd probably go like 7.5. I, I, I like this issue, and I thought it was a good send-off for Leslie. I mean, yeah, like I said, I would have liked more, and it was kind of short. But overall... It's also the mystery, too. I feel it, that's probably a little bit unfair because I'm thinking about the overall plot so far. It's just the mystery hasn't really caught me. Nothing's really catching me, and the only thing that really caught me about this issue was the emotional significance of yeah. Leslie. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I can definitely agree with that. I mean... You know, it, it was interesting, and I think it's setting up a good story. Like, now he's in Arkham, and he's pissed, so now yeah. we, get some, we get some good Bruce Wayne. <laughs> but, yeah, um, Tomasi, I mean, he, he's a great storyteller. He knows what he's doing, and I don't doubt him at all. And oh, from, yeah, I'm ready from what I've heard, more. he wants to do, like, 100 issues on Detective, possibly more, so I'm all for that. Oh, definitely. I want to see more with him. He called Damien over, so hopefully we get to see more with Damien. Uh, yeah, that w- that was actually interesting. I, we didn't even really cover that. Alfred like requested that Damien come, which I was like, okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's their way to bring him in the story. That should be cool. I'm glad we're gonna see Robin work with him again. I hope they touch upon like why they haven't worked together, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, no, that would be interesting because it, it has been a while since him and Bruce worked together. And I mean, if anybody's gonna explain it, it's gonna be Tomasi, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so Detective is pretty good. I recommend jumping on um, if you haven't been reading. Uh, I know the last writer turned a lot of people off, but Tomasi, I mean, no matter what, you're going to get some kind of quality out of him, and I think you'll enjoy what he's writing. And the build-up to 1000 should be interesting with the Arkham Knight popping up, which I'm a little skeptical about, but I trust Tomasi enough. Yeah. Um, the Arkham Knight, I, I hope it's cool. I'm not expecting much, but... I mean, it it's not cool. it's not Jason Todd, right? So it's either going to be an original character or somebody we haven't seen in a while. Character, like I don't want it to be anyone we haven't seen in a while. I really hope it's an original character because that's what I hope for the game for it to be an original character. Well, and and the, and the game kind of baited us. They were like, "Yeah, it's an original character," and then oh it, it be Jason Todd, and they're like, "Well, it's an original character to the series," and it's like, "All right, so you lied." Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Yeah, it would be nice to see the Arkham Knight develop into something. I mean, he's basically, I mean, if they go by the game version, he's basically Red Hood. You know, the guns and hates Batman, but it could be interesting. I mean, one thing I liked about Red Hood's character from Grant Morrison's Batman run is that he was kind of villainy. Like, now he's anti-hero and hero in some senses, but, like, in the Grant Morrison Batman run, he was kind of villainy. So, if we could get, like, a Red Hood-type feel in the Arkham Knight and that he's, like, kind of a villainy, bat, uh, bat, like, Batman villainy, but can also be trusted, I don't know. I, I think it could be done well. Yeah, I get what you're saying. So, yeah. So that's Detective Comics. Uh, I'd recommend jumping on. Our next comic of the week will be The Flash, number 61, by good old Joshua Williamson. <laughs> uh, Jay is not the biggest fan of Williamson. Uh, he has the same problem Hunter and I have with dialogue and such. And it, it's, I mean, if you read it, of course, you could tell as well. Um, the current story we're in is The Force Quest, which... When first announced, I thought this had potential to be one of his best stories. Uh, through the first two issues, it, it wasn't really grabbing me. I mean, it's not bad. It's just mediocre, and I feel like it could be better. So, and But, I mean, that's how I feel about the majority of Flash Rebirth. And maybe it's just that I'm a giant Flash fan, and I always want it to be better. But I just feel like it could be so much better. Um, my problem with it mostly is just it feel, it's so – it's not doing anything, really. It's just drunk. It's in – it's introducing all these forces, and don't get me wrong, I have my problem with the forces, but they could be a cool concept. Agreed. And, um, like, introducing new characters and maybe having them become a part of the Flash family and making it more than just about speed. 
but about otherworldly things giving these people powers. That could be cool. Agreed. It's different than what we're used to from usual Flash history, but a change is welcome. But it's just, I don't even know who the villains were in this issue, why they're fighting <laughs> monsters, why she got big and muscly, why she got a, it looks just cheesy. That's yeah, just the way I could describe this entire series, just cheesy. Like, a lot is being thrown at us at once, and it's just like, all right, let's finish this concept before we jump to the next one, you know? Yeah. And it's it's frustrating to read that. Um, Fuerza is the kind of villain, kind of friend. Uh, she's the green... green. She wears green. She kind of looks like Green Lantern almost. <laughs> um, but she's from some random country that I don't even think I've ever heard of. Uh, but she's basically protecting her village, you know, kind of a common story where she's protecting her village, she gets these powers, and she takes down the corrupt and powerful. So that, it's interesting, but she's kind of hot-headed, and Barry's trying to be like, hey, you know, calm down, we can do this my way, we can do it the justice way. And she's like, you don't understand, if you don't, if you don't kill him, like, if he goes to the justice system, he's going to get off in a few days with a slap on the wrist, which, to her point, probably true. But Barry's like, no, you have to do it this way. And then she hulks out for no reason, <laughs> becomes all strength forcey. So she's like huge. And Barry's like trying to take her down and talk to her at the same time. Barry ends up shrinking her down. And then her mom comes out to like calm her down. Uh, the guy that they were taking down ends up going to jail. So I guess Barry and, got his way. But Fuerza has what... some like cheesy dialogue here, you know? Yeah. It's just the whole thing with the mother coming out. And sure, it's emotional. And in a very small way, but it's just, that's also really cheesy too. just the mom coming out, reasoning with her. Then she comes back. It's just, it could, it's like a bad drama from the CW to me. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's funny when you put it that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely see those elements. I mean, like just, just like her speech at the end, right. About hope where she's like, and I'm she's fine like, with I, the speech. I'm fine with inspiration, inspirational messages, but they don't have to be executed in such a, it's just so it tries to be more than what it is. It's just Yeah, and I and I think that like uh and this is something we've talked about in the past. Like sometimes if you just read this dialogue out loud, you're just like, What the hell? Like nobody would ever oh say that. Yeah. So like I, I think and something that I would like love for Williamson to do is when writing dialogue is kind of just like read it out loud. Would somebody say that? You know, like I read some of this out loud and I'm just like, What was he thinking? You know, like but anyway, um, so Flash decides to run off to some other city where he uh, senses the Sage Force. Uh, he has Commander Cold check it for him. Commander Cold is actually very interesting to me. We've only been getting little bits and pieces, little uh, crumbs here, but I really want to read more into him because, A, he looks just like Barry. So if they did some kind of like he's a descent of Barry and Lenny Snart, That'd be cool. that could be interesting. Probably not executed right, but it, it's an interesting concept, right? Yeah, uh, it is. So uh, he's able to help Barry pinpoint to some city of villains. And so Barry runs that with Iris, but him and Iris decide to go undercover as villains. They have actually kind of interesting looking villain suits. I, I love Christian Deuce's art. Uh, and he's actually a very nice guy, very down to earth. I've talked to him multiple times. Shout out to you, Christian Deuce. You're the man. Uh, but I really do love his art. He has a very like lifelike feel, and I love that. Um, so they're in villain suits. Barry's suit actually kind of reminds me a little bit of Ozymandias from the Watchmen movie. I don't know if you got that kind of vibe from it too, like kind of like the purple, like that. Oh, I, I can, I can. With the see mask, I don't know. That's what I thought right away. I, at first, I didn't even realize it was Barry. I was like, "All oh, right, Barry." So they sneak into the city of villains, and we find out that Iris went undercover with some villain lady. And okay, whatever. Don't really care. Um. Anyway, they get caught that he's. I, I was really confused what was happening here. So this dude reads his mind with the Sage Force, and he's like, oh, "I uh, just reread it right now and finally like understood it." 
It's he finds cool. out he's the Flash, right? Yeah, it's a cool concept. I like the city of villains. That's kind of cool. And th- kinda... this this had me geeking out as a Flash fan because you got everyone here. You got people like Girder, yeah, um, Murmur, everyone here, Abracadabra, like Flash villains that we haven't seen in a while. The top. Like, if you're a Flash fan from, like, all eras, <laughs> you're going to recognize villains you know. Tar Pit. So, but the guy says he's a big fan. So I'm wondering, are all these villains under his Sage Force control, maybe? And that's why they're not, like, attacking Barry? Yeah, it is kind of like his face. His face is being exposed a lot, too. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, they should be able to kind of pinpoint who he is. Kind of, Yeah, it's kind of weird. But and it's... Iris isn't even wearing a mask, so. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to Iris's mask? Yeah. she take uh, it off? I'm just thinking that maybe with the Sage Force, he has control over all the Flash villains. I mean, they were kind of making evilly faces in the back. Evilly? That's not a word. Evil faces in the back. But, like, um, they don't seem to be attacking. So, I'm thinking thinking Sage Force has some kind of control over all of them. Or maybe it's just, like, a vision and they're not actually all there. That's what I was thinking. Because they should. A lot of them should be in Iron Heights. Yeah. I mean, but... It looks cool. I mean, like, it seems cool, like a city of villains and stuff. That could be cool, like, explore more. But besides that. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the series is every time there's kind of a cool idea, it just it doesn't execute properly. I hate to say it. I really, you know, I want to love the series, but I haven't gotten to that point of love yet, you know? Yeah. It's trying to do what, like, Mark Wade and Jeff Johns did, but. And, and just... I respect the effort. It's, I mean, it's a tough yeah. to do to follow up to legends like that. But but, even that is just like it's really missing something. It's just, yeah, it feels like it's trying too hard. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I uh, what, what would you rate the issue? Um, six point five seven. Yeah, like, I, I go seven. I, I I mean, I didn't hate the issue. It was just it was kind of <laughs> mediocre. the The whole arc has been mediocre. The Force Quest, and I really want to like it, but it's not there yet. I can it give it like to- I can give it like a really bad rating. Say like the dialogue, but like. It's doing what it's trying to do, and I think it did all right for what it like. It, it's mediocre, like you said. Yeah, so it's definitely like six or seven. But yeah, it's not like one of those like, oh, it's the greatest series in DC, or it's even one of the best series in DC. But it's it's been steady. You know, we've had this yeah. pretty much the entire time. So it's yeah. consistent. Consistent, yes. So um, our next issue also comes from Joshua Williamson. We got uh, Justice League Odyssey number four. Justice League Odyssey. Uh, it's off to a slow start. I don't. I want to like it because I really like the team. I like Cyborg. I like Starfire. I want to like it so much. Just the team, so cool. The art was great. The concept was cool. Well, Cedric but, on art. I mean, he did Aquaman. He did great work on Aquaman. I don't even like bearded, long hair Aquaman, but he made it look badass. And yeah, he did. He's a great artist. Yeah. But so the the plot of Justice League Odyssey so far is that in this in the Ghost Spectre, there's three planets that one worships Cyborg, one worships Starfire, and one worships Azrael. So I'm like, okay, interesting concept, I guess, and it's something that could be explored, like that they're the new new gods, basically. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, interesting, right? Darkseid's there, and Darkseid is basically pulling all the strings. He's the puppet master behind all this. So I'm like, okay, interesting, right? It's not panning out so far. So we already dealt with the Starfire plot. Now we're to the Cyborg planet where they're all worshiping Cyborg, but they're like, they need to test Cyborg. So Cyborg has to do like battle with Azrael for some reason. <laughs> and I don't know. I, I felt like it was kind of forced plot, if you will. And yeah. I don't know. I, I I didn't feel anything for it, you know. The concept of this book was so great. I mean, like exploring a whole new section of the universe, 
this great space team is just yeah no justice did a, no justice did a great job of setting it up and like that uh the the planets that would have been missing for so many years it's interesting because it's like they've been on brainiac ship like what did they see in there yeah exactly it's just so, so it's a very interesting concept. I, I just don't think Williamson is the writer for this book, and I'm a big Williamson fan, you know, as a person. I think he's a great person, and he agreed to do an interview with us, which is great. But I don't think he's the right person for this book, and I, I don't doubt that he loves the characters, but he's just – it's not clicking. I, I think yeah. this needs, like, a Grant Morrison type almost, you know? Grant Morrison would be great for it. Or even, like – I know this is, like, a weird writer to pick, but, like, Tim Seeley I think would do all right on it. Yeah, Tim Seeley. I mean, Tim Seeley throws out pretty good books all around. But yeah, Tom Taylor would be good too. Tom Taylor. Yeah, Tom Taylor is good. It just feels like I don't know. Williamson's not the right fit for this, and he's he's doing okay. But I don't want this book to be mediocre. I want this book to be great. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's got such a, it's got such a unique lineup. I mean, the closest Bat figure you have is Azrael. You don't even have yeah. a Superman figure, so like it's it's a different Justice League. Starfire is finally getting her due. Like her design's great. It's just it could be so much more than what it is right now. Yeah. So um Cyborg and Azrael do battle. Cyborg wins. Uh, they basically just stage the fight and make it look good. Uh they declare Cyborg as their god. Cyborg has a moment with which I actually kinda liked. He was like, Booyah! I, I know that's kind of cheesy, but I like, you know, Cyborg saying Booyah. Um they basically like attack the rest of Cyborg's friends for again what reason <laughs> um when they get to the like inside of the place of their planet they find out that they're making a mother box and it's like oh okay mother box interesting and that's pretty much where the issue ends not much happens like for me at least like i didn't really you know dig into any of the details basically uh, they fight and there's a mother box that's what i got out of it yeah uh, Make... what would you write it six i mean I don't know. Like, I want to like this book so bad, and it, and it pains me. Yeah, like but it's just not doing anything. Doing and, it for you. And Stephen Sedgwick is leaving the art apparently, uh, with editorial disputes. And really? from what I heard, Carmine D. Whatever his name is, the guy who did Flash Rebirth for a while, is taking over, which sounds atrocious. I know there's a lot of Carmine fans out there. I don't see it. I he would do not, not like his book. No, he doesn't fit this book. I didn't even think he fit Flash. I mean, I thought he fit Flash. He had that good abstract thing. Yeah, yeah. But like his art is kind of like I don't want to say sloppy because that's kind of rude. But like it's it's all over the place. Yeah, it's made to look like like a sketch. I guess I don't know. Like yeah, and has a lot of lines. Yeah, I guess it does kind of fit the Flash because of like motion. But I just it didn't work for me personally. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't think he'd fit a Justice League Odyssey book. And the way he draws faces is so weird. I don't want to see Jessica Cruz like that. And, like, yeah, <laughs> like all these characters deserve better. Jessica Cruz deserves better, man. She's awesome. And I, I want to see her develop more. <laughs> I want to see a friendship between her and Starfire. I want to see Cyborg embrace that leadership part of him. I want to see so much. But we're just not I mean, really getting Cyborg, it. Cyborg is so cool. And, like, whenever somebody's like oh he doesn't he doesn't belong in the justice league he's a titan like shut up Amen. he is a justice leaguer and the fact that he could get his own justice league team is awesome like in in concept on paper this should be a great series but it's just not developing so far and if carmine's on art i'm hardly considering like i'm really really considering dropping because at least before i was looking at cedric art and i was like all right i mean it's at least worth it for the art but i don't know if i could read it if carmine's on the art you know yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you. I've dropped so many books because of art and weak story. It's just, yeah. 
I, I think in 2019, I'm going to be more like on the trigger with pulling books. Cause like there's so many books like teen Titans and I should read the Adam glass and Jay heavily. Yes, recommend. Should. But, but with the original writer, I really didn't like it. I dropped it, but I waited so long with wonder woman. I waited so long. Uh, Titans. I'm still reading for some reason, but I, I like it. I just got to be able to pull the trigger. So 2019, that's my new year's resolution. I'm gonna pull the trigger on more books that I don't like. <laughs> yeah. Like the less you support books, you don't like the more like, change or cancel books it's, just... it's it's true and i hate to say it like that but if it's just not a good book you know it shouldn't be made so yeah because it leads for better books you know and I, and I like to give things time to develop like i'd love to give odyssey another arc or two but like man i just i'm not feeling it and i want to yeah. feel it and like you know I, it really pains me not to like it but i can't force myself you know yeah completely agree so that's justice league odyssey and our next title is just as disappointing. <laughs> uh, Titans number 32. Oh, man. Abnett kills me, man. He kills me. Titans I have 32. no idea what's he had happening the, in this book. He, so he had the perfect Titans roster. He had, the, like, the perfect. And he had the, a really great first arc, The Return of Wally West. I thought that was a great arc. Even the second arc made in Manhattan. I thought that was pretty good, too. Then it just went completely <laughs> downhill. He had weird, like, edgy fights. He had weird love interests. Like... He had Donna Troy and Wally West's love interest. What? She's like a sister to the Wally. What are you doing? Well, I I got that. I mean, like in I mean, the original no, year one thing, it was cool. They had this weird, you know, I, like like Wally I understood it because like they both like lost their past and they both want to make a better future. You know, not worrying about their past. So I get that part of it, but just the way he wrote it, it felt awkward. Yeah, and especially because he just built up Roy as like being in love with her. So I don't know. It was weird to me to just to, it, it felt very forced. But then now he changed up the roster, which I thought was a mistake by DC. I thought, if anything, you could have kept the team but changed the writing because Abnet, I just, he's not a Titans writer. He's not. Yeah. And it's weird. Like, I feel like in all the Titans books, we really struggle to find good writers. Like, looking even back at like Titans 2008, like, uh, I thought Judd Whitnick did pretty good. But like, after that, after he left the book, oh, fell very, off. very downhill. Like, the first 10 issues, very solid. And then after that, Titans 08 falls. And then it doesn't even, like, by the end, it's just a Deathstroke solo series. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, Titans Rebirth is on the same path. Great first, you know, great 10 issues and then just downhill, which, again, pains me to say because I want to love it. They added Kyle Rayner recently, which I was like, all right, I love Kyle Rayner. I'll stay on for Kyle Rayner. He just even he in the book. This book. <laughs> yeah. He's like there, like he's on the cover. They make him very clear, but he's barely he's only like, what, three pages in this book. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a whole, and I got the whole issue is to build up the villain, but I don't find Mother Blood that intriguing. No, she's not. And it's sad. <laughs> and what they're doing, the Beast Boy, I'm not going to like complain about, oh, why they make him look so ugly or why are they changing him? My problem is it's just not compelling, you know? Yeah, like, no, I agree. I understand what he tried to do, like have Beast Boy struggle with maintaining like his it's form. An That's it's, a cool concept. It's interesting on paper, but it just it hasn't worked in the story. It hasn't. It's just boring. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then like people like a Steel, like I get nothing out of Steel, and I'd love to love Steel, but I get absolutely nothing out of her. I get nothing I out of Rachel. Shoes even in the book. <laughs> <laughs> like the really the only thing I'm holding on to is Donna Troy, and even Donna Troy, I feel like she's mischaracterized in every issue. Oh my god! Like, like I, I just I don't think Abnet understands these characters, and like. I, they need a writing change or they need to cancel this book in all honesty. And it really hurts me to say, cause I, you know, I want to read about Donna. I want to read about Kyle, but like, I don't want to read about him like this. 
I have no idea what's going on with Abner either. Like, and he's written one of the best Marvel stories, Annihilation. He's written the beginning of Aquaman was good until like he got usurped. Um, he's written good stuff. He knows yeah, how no, to write. Yeah, no, Abner's a talented writer, which is weird that he doesn't. I, I I just think like some people aren't meant to write certain characters, right? Like Tom King, I think he's a great writer. I don't like his Batman. Dan Abnett, he's a great writer. I like his stuff. Don't like his Titans. So just his I think Titans some people just, just don't click. Yeah, it's just, I don't think he's found what he really wants to do with Titans. Maybe he's like, I feel like he's never really read Titans before. I'm not. But, I'm just making an assumption. I'm not like. But even like it. like you read like Titans, right? So like, um, I, I think the best Titans run is Teen Titans 2003, and really just the Jeff Johns part totally after agree. he leaves, it kind of yeah. falls off. But like, oh, I still love it after Jeff. Leaves. I mean, yeah, no, I love it. I enjoy it because I love the crew. But like, if you think about it, like Titans has never had that like great run. Like Titans 99, weak. Titans 08 after the first 10 issues, weak. You know, so like, yeah, they're the, a tough the, team. They're they are a tough team to write because you can't make them the justice league but you can't make them kids like it's a tough area but it just needs the the right writer if that makes sense if they kind of like did the part like did what young justice is doing like the tv show and applied that to the titans i think that'd be cool like a covert op team of like their former sidekicks Yeah, and how Action Comics is, like, how we're talking about how Action Comics is written like a TV show. I think you could write this like a TV show. Like, oh, focused, yeah, definitely. Like, like, if you have 12 issues a year, it's a 12 issue. Like, how Graham Morrison uh, is approaching Green Lantern, right? How he's like, it's like one, it's like my season one, you know? Like, I like that concept of I it. I love so, that. So like, if they can do that with Titans, I think it could be great, but I just don't think that's the man for it. Comics need to be written more like uh, TV shows, in my opinion, like, so each issue is as, as satisfying as watching one episode or something. And, and this is what you talked about in your YouTube video on the Green Lantern, which I loved, uh, that it's like could be like the future of comics. Yeah, yeah, and, oh yeah. And, and I really love that kind of concept because really it, it is an interesting concept. Comics are an interesting medium because they can be written so many different ways and so many different ways can work. Yeah, exactly. Like there's so there's a lot of options but i feel like a lot of writers stick to like what they know rather than what they could do like with this titans issue it's not badly formatted or anything it's just not satisfying yeah it's it's almost like abnet's like playing it safe like yeah but i'd rather him take some risks and fall you know than kind of stick to this i don't this just doesn't work for me and yeah i i'm honestly probably going to drop it because i was going to drop at issue number 29, but then Kyle was in 30, so I'm like, all right, I'll read that. Then he appeared in one page. I was like, ah, fine, now I gotta read the next <laughs> one. And then I read the next one, and I'm like, oh my god, he appeared in like two pages. So it's not giving me the Kyle Donna like characterization I need. Yeah. So it'll probably be hitting the chopping block for me. I, I don't even like want to rate this issue because it's gonna be so low. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I just I, I want better out of Titans. And same thing with Justice League Odyssey. I want better out of those two books. So you know they're great concepts. Just great concepts. And, the right teams. And it's always and it's always sad when that happens to comics because that I guess that happens to a lot of comics. Like great on paper, but just never worked out, you know, the way it was written. Yeah. Oh, Thanks. That's um that's what a bit for our comics of the week, I guess. Did you rate Titans? What did we? I rate mean, it? if I give it a rating, it's going to be like four or three. I mean, the story yeah. just—I feel like it's going nowhere. Like, really nowhere. <laughs> the villains not interesting. Five. The heroes aren't interesting. I mean, like half the team just sucks. Steel not interesting. Raven not interesting. Beast Boy, I get what they're trying to do. Not interesting. Kyle not even showing up. Donna mischaracterized. So like, I like the art though. I'm going to give it that. I like the art. 
the art it is and if and it fits Titans. Yeah, exactly. It's not anything special, but it's stylized in its own way. It's cinematic, and it, I think it fits the team. Yeah, I just think when when everything settled out, when when Nightwing is back to being Nightwing, and when Ollie West is back alive, I think that they, if they rebooted Titans, I think it could, it could work out with the right team, with the right writer, and you need a good creative team because like not only just a good writer, but a good artist to kind of bounce ideas off each other. Like, um, and I know I compare everything to Flash, but like when Jeff Johns took over on the Flash, Scott Collins was a big part of that, and Scott Collins helped him kind of like figure out what he wanted to do with the city and, you know, making it a very blue-collar city, which I which I love, and it worked out in his run. So, like, you need a good creative team. And somebody like Brett Booth, who, even if you don't love his art, he's very passionate about those characters. It would be interesting to see him back on art and kind of, like, give his concepts, you know? Yeah, exactly. So... But yeah, um, that's about it for our comics of the week. Uh, I just want to thank Jay so much for appearing on this on this no episode. Problem, it's great to have him. Check him out on Instagram at Comic Prince and check him out on YouTube, Heroic Ideas. He's a small channel, but he's really making some different videos. You know, you don't see stuff like that, and I love the ideas he's bringing up. And I can't wait for the next one. Make sure you subscribe. Thanks uh, for having me, man. <laughs> for a hero story, I'm JD. Thanks for listening, and tune in next week. Hunter will be back. Bye. <laughs>